What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Show and go with Taylor Davis today. We're going to walk through some of the league leaders in Major League Baseball. And honestly, we're just going to talk like level of being impressed among the best players in baseball. Obviously, these guys are at the top of their game right now. How sustainable is it? How terrifying are these guys as opponents or how incredible a talents they are? But before we get any further than that, Taylor, I asked you, you know, we were coordinating time and we hammered down a time and you sent a GIF back. I didn't peg you as a GIF guy at all. Are you a GIF oh, guy? Oh, pal. I I love me a good GIF. Okay. I tell you, I think it's one of the greatest inventions in sliced bread. Big gift guy. Okay, so good to know. Do you typically go with like the the overused ones, or do you typically try and find the deep cuts? I always try to go um, f- funny, and it's always I I, I don't want to do like overused. I, I want it to be um, common enough and like relative, you know. Yeah. But so I want you to know the situation, but I don't want it to be an overused meme. No. Okay, so um, I, I go really niche gifts. So, like, have you seen I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson? Have, have I? Come on. <laughs> okay, so that's my personality. Top-notch show for me. That's one of the best. I actually, there's a new TikTok that I follow. I'm going to have to send you a video of him, but there's a TikTok that I follow that is just like that guy. Okay, perfect. Yes, please send me that. I follow multiple Twitter accounts that are dedicated to I think you should leave memes. So I send a lot of I think you should leave gifts. Um, so now I know that I can add somebody else on the receiving end of that. And we got the new season coming out in two weeks, which is going to be awesome. I would love nothing more than receive your gift. Um, I, I I will say this. I'm a big, the one TV show that like I own, own in my head is The Office. I love The Office. I think it's one of the best shows of all time. I also did, and I love Breaking Bad. I did do that. Yeah. It's just Breaking Bad isn't quite as sustainable or usable in everyday life. Right. So turning this into a question that could benefit the audience as opposed to just the Jack and Taylor shoot the shit show. Um, how, how like, do you guys almost do like a book club for TV shows? Because I mean, on the road, I'm sure you guys spent a ton of time in hotel rooms. Like I'm sure that you guys pass along shows and movies to each other. And it's, I mean, everybody's watching the same shit, right? Yeah. You can, you can only imagine. And it's funny. Like there'll be clicks. It It's uh, I, I don't think it's quite as bad now, but you know, like when I first got to triple a and um, the shows weren't all on Netflix, like, like the shows yeah. weren't all binge watchable at one mm-hmm. time. Like I remember like the game of Thrones being in the locker room during game of Thrones stuff. And like the entire, like the clicks of guys that were watching these shows. And then you had this other click that had to watch it with their wives, right? Like they're mm-hmm. iPadding in live watching uh, Game of Thrones. And um, so those are, those are fun times. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of movie talk, but honestly, man, like it has truly turned into pretty much nonstop video gaming. Like these really? guys, baseball guys play as much video games as, as, any group of people outside of professional video gamers, I am convinced. 
So now I ask you as crotchety old man coach, Taylor Davis, you've moved to the new phase of your career. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are you like these kids in their blasted video games or are you like, I get it, do whatever you want away from the field? Yeah, no, I get it, do whatever you want. I am, as soon as I get to manage a major league team, I one of the policies that I love from Joe Madden, I don't even want to call it a policy because it wasn't a policy. It was like his way of coaching was like, I want everything outside of the field to be handled for you so that when you show up to the field, all you got to worry about is playing baseball because that's what it should be. That's why clubhouses are important. Yeah. Not for not because of any other reason. We don't care. Like if, if you don't make friends with somebody, you'll be okay. Yeah. But like clubhouses are important because you are spending so much time there that if you have stress that arises from the clubhouse that takes away from the game, that is unacceptable and doesn't happen on winning teams. Yeah. And so I 100% believe do whatever makes you happy. Um, if you want to play video games for 40 hours in two days, you, you go ahead and do that. Um, that's totally cool. So I know one of your things was you ingested baseball content. Like you watched baseball, you watched baseball clips on social media, all that stuff. Like you were a baseball fiend during the season. I think I've shared this story with you. If not real quick, Joey Weimer has been playing a lot of the outfield for the Brewers um, who are the division leaders in the NL Central right now. And Weimer, a rookie, he was a guy that ticked up in, in pro ball I, as just like a speedster and a power bat. Like all of a sudden these tools came out of nowhere after he was, you know, a middle round pick at a Cincinnati. Yeah. So, I said, right. What? I said Cincinnati guy, right. And he was. At- yeah. Cincinnati guy. So Weimer, um, I mean, he's, he's like so, so good. And he was having this incredible season in 21. We caught him in 22 and he got to double and triple and he went through a really rough stretch, but then he came out of that slump like gangbusters. I mean, he was the best hitter in AAA for a little bit there. And Aram and I had the chance to visit with him in Biloxi. And we were like, what do you do when you're away from the field? It's like anything but baseball. And we were like, really? Anything but baseball? What does that mean? And he almost cut us off and was like, I play Minecraft and I watch Family Guy. Like, I don't think about baseball away from that, the field. That is, that is the majority. Now, what I will tell you is that I am lucky enough that I don't think about myself in baseball. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's where a lot of guys it's tough is because all they can think about is, is themselves and their performance and um, putting that in with whatever they're doing. That's not how I handled baseball. And I did that really early on in my career. I learned how to separate leaving the locker room. You know, I felt as though, and this is just my opinion. This is how I handled it. It worked for me, but like I felt like my wife didn't deserve the roller coaster of emotions that I had to go through. Mm-hmm. And I just that in a sense of like I had to go through the ups and the downs in the uh, through my games. She didn't she could just be happy. And yeah. so after my games it wasn't fair to her even on the good days. I didn't want to add even good stress. I didn't want to add that to her life. Um so really baseball for me was talking about other people's games or talking about what happened in the game, but it really wasn't about me. So that is probably a big reason that I can watch more baseball than most people. And I think that obviously like I'm, I I'm speaking for your wife, but I bet she really appreciated that because even if, you know, obviously she's having a good day, you go for four and you carry that negative energy into that conversation. It it takes her day down a tick, but even the other way, right? Like if she's having a rough day, and you're on top of the world, 
she didn't feel the need to match your positive energy because you had a good day, which is a very commendable no, husband move. Good for you, man. I'll be honest though. So, you know, this is, this is a fun fact about our marriage, but like she, um, she's really been interested in trying to learn about the game. And because of what I just told you, like the, the way that I handled it, yeah. I t- fault didn't talk about baseball in that sense because somehow the game would always get back to me. And so, um, there were times where like, she'd be upset because like, I wouldn't talk about it enough and she had to go learn on her own. Like, I remember there was like an off season where like, after like in the middle of the season, she's like bringing up these topics. I'm like, what in the world? Like, where did you, you know? And she's like, well, you wouldn't talk about it with me. And, uh, but she did, you know, once I got, once we got older and I was able to explain like why I, I did the things that I did and how I acted that way. She yeah. obviously appreciative of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I get it. And does it make, did your ability to take in baseball make it easier to like appreciate what other guys are doing? Like, does it make it easier for you to watch and be not in awe? Cause you're a professional baseball player. Like you were a major leaguer and, you know, I, I can have this conversation with other guys that like have had service as well. Um, th- like how easy is it for you to look at what a guy like Acuna or Wander Franco is doing and saying, that's freaking awesome. I'm really impressed by that guy. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that I, I see the game differently in one light from a lot of, of the guys I played against in that I don't think the game is easier when I watch it. Um, I, I, I see, and maybe it's because I just like feel it, but like I see how difficult it is to play. I watch these pitches now as a hitting coach from the dugout, but like even when I'm watching them on TV, I watch guys on TV, like it doesn't look easy to me. It looks really hard. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one area where maybe it is from just watching so much baseball and seeing how talented everybody is, but it is not easy. And it doesn't look easy to me. Um, and, you know, you'll hear from a lot of guys that one big factor into a lot of coaches that that coaches that most people don't like. I think a big factor that comes like you're going to see one uh, common denominator and that that common denominator a lot of times is that they forget how hard the game is. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll understand that in, in five years when I've not played. But right now it doesn't seem easy. And like, I'm watching these guys swing at pitches that I would swing at, take strikes that that I would take. And um, it's, it's not easy. And I have to continue to remind myself that as I go through this process that man, like there was no part of this game that was easy. Real quick. Who are some managers and coaches that you've had that are good about like acknowledging and almost empathizing with, with how tough the game is? Uh, You know, I had, I had, Marty Peavy, who I had in AAA for a long time. Um, still in Iowa, still the manager of AAA. Still, yeah, he's going to set some records this year, I think. Um, he he was a he was so talented at, at helping guys grow in the game of baseball. Um, and, and I definitely think he was one of those guys that helped you kind of joke about it, right? Like understanding that it's a hard game, man. Like there were there were times where it just wasn't in the cards for you. Um, I think he was a big, a big help for that for me. Um, but being around the system and the environment that was created in Chicago when I was there, I think really as a whole allowed me to be the player I needed to be. And, you know, I, I think that 
teams need to talk about it. I think it needs to be talked about. Sometimes guys feel like they're on islands until you hear from superstars that they occasionally feel like they can't get a hit. And you look at that guy and you're like, you feel like you can't get a hit? Yeah. What? I mean, dude, look at what Trout's done through the first two weeks of May, right? He's got a 560 OPS. And, like, everybody can look at him and say, I don't know. Like, you can't talk to me about a slump. You're freaking Mike Trout. But a two-week stretch where he's OPSing 550 is a is a deity of a baseball player coming down and looking like a struggling major leaguer. So these guys can empathize. But I understand why some players would almost push back, be like, you've never experienced, like, adversity like this. Well, I think I think that, you know, I mean, I can tell you that I did. I, I viewed these people as, like, not real people. I remember my first, like, couple of times going over to Big League Camp and, like, Dude, they're like movie stars, you know, and and um, then you get to understand, you get to know them, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're they're people, they're you and me, like they they do have these natural emotions, but um, you're always expecting the major leagues to be some next level, right? Like the pitchers are gonna have some extra pitch, the hitters are gonna have an extra long bat, something, you know, like you, know, you weren't given you weren't given your extra long bat. I wasn't given my special bat. No. Well, you were at a competitive disadvantage then. Yeah, that's. Exactly. Everybody gets the Soriano bat. That's how that works, right? Corruption. Collusion and corruption. Yep. Bingo. Man, let's talk. Um, let's pivot here to league leaders because I, I want to walk through some of these guys, like war leaders, and I want to walk through the guys that are leading in the batting title right now. And I just want your take on like how the start to the season has gone for them because I, I think there's a really interesting – assortment of guys that are near yeah. the top of the war leaderboards and all that. So you in? Yeah. We'll go hitters. Then we'll go pitchers. But I mean, Acuna is atop the war leaderboards at 2.4. Sean Murphy at two, three, and then Semyon and Wander Franco are at two, two start at the top with Acuna. Sean Murphy is a fascinating conversation, but Acuna, like we know this is in him, right? Hitting three fifty. He's walking almost as much as he's striking out. He's got, what, 11 homers, 18 bags in 43 games. Is this the best player in baseball right now? Or is it, I mean, obviously Otani's doing his thing, but Otani has kind of hit the skids on the hill. Is Acuna the best player in the game right now? Like in a vacuum? I don't think so. I don't even think in a vacuum. I heard Schreider say this earlier and it actually upset me because I don't think that anybody, it's going to take a lot of failure for Otani to not be the best player in baseball. For sure. And that in a sense of, I almost, I don't know that I could truly say this, but I would almost say that like, if Otani was league average at both, I still might go out and say that he's technically the, the best player in baseball. Got you. So I don't want to say that. Now, what I think we can all say is that he is hands down the best bat right now. Yeah. He is the best player in baseball he has um you know he's a guy that came up with so much hype and has really lived up to that hype. right uh you know i made the joke early on in my in uh in i don't know if we've talked about this yet i made the joke early on in chris bryant's career that he was seen as the savior in chicago right which he was he he literally sure. did exactly what they needed him to do yes but my joke when he was coming up was if he hits 275 with 20 every year is he is is he a bust? Yeah, or twenty five? And I think if you go look at his career average, it's like two seventy five with twenty five. Yeah, like that's how much hype Acuna had, if not more. Right, and he had 
outplayed that. He is better than that. Um, and I, I think of everybody on this list, his is the most sustainable. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Like, I think we could be looking at this guy as the war leader when it's all said and done, much like, you know, Judge last year. Because what Judge did last year was accumulate in every which way. Obviously, the 61 homers helped, but he was playing gold glove defense, man, and he was playing some center field. Like, Acuna, not only is he hitting 350 and slugging over 600, but he's swiped more bags than anybody in baseball, and he's playing gold glove caliber defense. I mean, the talent is just oozing from him and and, you know i honestly i see what you're saying and i agree with you like this guy had insane pressure to and an insanely high standard when he broke into the league but it wasn't like the harper standard you know what i mean and and when acuna has been on the field he's been at like a harper level obviously they're getting there in different ways but i think a harper given these messiah expectations right like he was supposed to be baseball's chosen one um literally said that on the cover of a freaking magazine but acuna i think it was like the step on the ladder below that and acuna is performing the way that harper has yeah i got two things for you there one um i I think that acuna is almost on like a freaking ex-girlfriend ramp like i'm pissed off that i wasn't (laughs) able to be a 2021 and i'm gonna show you how valuable I am because people talked about how they won that world series without Ronald Acuna. That was a big deal. Um, and the other thing I'll bring up is that I, I totally agree with you. I don't think it was Bryce Harper, but I do think there was a slight difference in that Ronald Acuna trended more like Jackson Cheerio than he did Bryce Harper. Yeah. It just he took off. Came out of nowhere. And then he went from nowhere to a prospect to the prospect the can't miss and the guy that the Braves are going to like the, the historically one of the best franchises in baseball is going to build their team around. That was a big deal. That was the first massive guy since, since Freddie Freeman, right? Like that was who you chose. So um, for those reasons, I think I don't, I don't, I agree with you. Not the same prospect hype, but I do think there were some other extenuating circumstances that added to his. For sure. And I can totally get behind that. His teammate is second. So the two war leaders among position players are Atlanta Braves. And this guy, it it hasn't come out of absolutely nowhere. But this, like this level of production, I did not have on my bingo card for Sean Murphy. As a catcher. What do you make of what Murphy's done? Because not only is he hitting the crap out of the ball right now, but he's proving that he's an incredibly valuable defensive catcher. If not, you know, I I give Adley the edge defensively. I know you give Adley the edge defensively too, but Murphy's right up there, man, when it comes to defensive acumen and and he's hitting the shit out of the ball. What do you make of Sean Murphy so far? I think it's really good. I think, you know, um, I think there, I, I don't think that, that many people are wrong about a player very often. Meaning so many people have been saying that Sean Murphy was this good and this talented for a really long time before he was in the major leagues, when he was in the major leagues. um, I I really do. And and I'm going to use a basketball reference here because this one always fascinated me. And it was Jeremy Lin. And Jeremy Lin always fascinated me because he tricked some people for a couple weeks. Yeah. And that turned him into a contract player. Yeah. And 
that's the that's the instance where I say a guy that hasn't done it, like there's gonna be some guys I'm sure on this list that haven't had this level of production. For sure. That done it for a couple weeks. Maybe guys are saying so let's just talk about Brent Rooker for a second. Yeah. I love Brent Rooker. I think it's great. But if the Oakland A's went and extended Brent Rooker right now, that would be the similar deal to me as as what you do with Jeremy Lin. And the reason that I say that is now you've had multiple teams that have passed at the opportunity of Brent Rooker. I just don't think that many people are that wrong that often. Yeah. Uh, now, look, I hope that Brent Rooker is the best player in baseball for the rest of his career. And there are absolutely outliers to that. But at the end of the day, I usually think when you have an entire league of people saying that you're going to be the next thing, a lot of times you're a really talented player. For sure. And Murphy fit more into that bucket, right? And it was an underwhelming start. He was always really good defensively, but, you know, like the batting average left something to be desired and the Ks were up and and the power wasn't as present as you were expecting it to be. It felt like he was almost the upgraded Jonah Heim. And, and we can actually couple Heim in here too because Heim is balling out. He's hitting 310. I, I think that would be a fantastic w- – who would you take right now to start your franchise? Heim or Fear Heim? Yeah. I think I take Murphy. And let's compare ages here. Sean Murphy is 28 years old in seven months. Jonah Heim, as it stands right now, is 27 and 10 months. So it's marginal. Heim is nine months younger than Sean Murphy. Let me say this. It's a it's a catcher, so I'm I don't think you're ever truly that concerned with age on a catcher with their in not in their mid thirties, because you're not going to give them a deal. That's you're not going, unless you're Adley Rutschman, you're not getting a 10 year deal. And even he. Right. So give one of them a six year deal. Who's getting more money. Heim or Murphy. I think Murphy, because he does have a little bit more track record. I was just about to say, so here's where I, I think it's what you're, you're choosing. I think it's, Murphy gives you the track record. Heim has the upside. So I don't know that we've seen the best Jonah Heim. Mm-hmm. And I really do think what Sean Murphy's doing right now is, is obviously it's incredible. Don't know how sustainable it is, but I think he's still going to be the Sean Murphy of old at worst. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like- I'm willing to give Jonah the upside, but just slightly um that's a great question i'm probably the old school me is probably going to take sean murphy because of the sample size yeah i i'm taking murphy because i'm being conservative and i know that murphy has been a very productive catcher for longer like he's never been this but he has been a several win player heim has been a low 200s guy with elite defense but now the bat's finally showing up um have you crossed paths with Semyon at all in your career we talked about this summer ball. I played summer ball That's with right. Him. You played summer ball with Marcus Simeon. Yeah. Okay. That totally slipped over my head for a minute. So yeah, you got to know Simeon when you were at Moorhead. Where was he? We he was at Cal. We okay. were in Northwoods League together. Northwoods. So Simeon, my understanding, if I remember going back on like what's it called, Point Streak or something like that, the database that had it, maybe Baseball Cube. You said you hit a couple points higher than Semyon, but I think Semyon had you by a couple points. So you were lying on a podcast. I lied my face off. I apologize. Unbelievable. Um, Semyon is, I don't want to say aging like fine wine. Semyon is on the other side of 30. 
Um, he's unbelievable, man. And like, he's obviously so much of the narrative last year when he started that big deal with Texas was, Hey, he's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And then second half, he was hitting the ball to the ballpark at will. Um, is he a 40 Homer guy? Like he was in Toronto. I don't think so, but Marcus Semyon's a really good player and he's an elite defensive second baseman. Did you see that coming? Yeah. I think he's a 40 Homer guy again. I think that, I think that what you saw in Toronto was twofold. I think you saw him leave Oakland just in general, right? You got into a better hitting place. Um, But I think you also put him around Matt Olson when he was around him was really good. But Matt Olson, when he was around Simeon, was not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. So even in that lineup with, you know, obviously I think Vladdy's going to be the the most feared out of them. But you also have Bo Bichette. If you're deciding between Bo Bichette and Simeon, probably going to pitch to Simeon, right? So In 21. You're 21. Yeah. Yeah. So today, I think... And now the thing that's crazy is he's done this without Corey Seager, but I think him and Corey Seager together, I think that's why. I think that's why he, I see him doing it again. He's done it with protection. The years that he didn't have protection are the years that he didn't hit as well. Yeah. So let me ask you here, what do you think of the job that the Rangers front office has done? And I know Chris Young has been involved. He didn't have the concrete title uh, at the beginning of last year or last offseason when he made these deals, right? Um, or was he, was Young the one that made the deals? He was, I, no, Young made the deals. Young made the deal. When did they fire their president of baseball operations? Um, I don't know that answer. I, I'll tell you, but do you, like, how big of a fan are you of what the Texas Rangers are doing in terms of spending big to go and get star power and supplementing elsewhere? Well, I am, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think you have to spend big, like that big all the time. I do think that show me a World Series team that didn't have a $200 million player on it. And, um, you know, I think you can point to uh, Kansas City is probably the first team you're going to point to, but they had they had uh, Eric Hosmer, who's worth over $200 million in his career. So um, I think the reality of the game is that, you know, and it's it's turning a little bit into we've talked about the pairs. You got to have two. You got to have two of these boppers now. And uh, I think. I am pulling for Chris Young because I want ex players to get back in into all types of those roles. I think it's a great thing. Um, not to necessarily limit. I don't think we need to take the non players out of it. I just think that it's it's really cool that players or ex players are getting back into it. Right. Um, so and I'm pulling for them for that reason. Quick answer here: Chris Young was hired as the GM of the Rangers in 2020. Um, But they had a president of baseball operations, John Daniels, who was let go last August. So that's what I was Uh, thinking. But Young was there and a decision maker and the decision maker when they did go. He was the GM. Now he's the president. Yes. Yes. So they let the president of baseball operations go. So, yeah, man, I can really appreciate, you know, what they've got with with Semyon and with Haim. And I mean, hell, dude, Adolis Garcia is hitting the crap out of the ball right now, too. A uh, couple names on the hitter side, and then I want to hit on a couple of pitchers. Did you cross paths with Yandy Diaz ever in Triple no, A ball? Because you were in the PCL, to, right? I got to see Wander, but I never. I was always in the PCL until I got to Pittsburgh or until to Baltimore. Got you, um, Yandy Diaz and Wander Franco. We can we can mash them into two because that's two of the top six in WAR. 
Um, only guy we haven't hit on is Xander Bogarts. I don't think we need to hit on Xander. Like he's awesome. Um, Wander and Yandy Diaz. How do you view those two? Uh, I think Yandy Diaz is like such a prototypical Tampa Bay Rays player to me. Like he doesn't put up the crazy counting stats. And at the end of the year, he's extremely valuable and he helps the team win. Um, like that is what they are so good at finding. Wander Franco is, is just proof of how talented their scouts in the, in the Latin American countries are. Um, you know, I, I saw, I saw Wander in Durham in 21, um, on a really talented Durham team, him and, uh, Vidal Brujan. And I'll be honest with you, man, Brujan was, was really impressive. Um, you know, it Wander was so over mature for his age at that time. I think that was the thing that stood out the most was, you know, I asked some scouts when I was there and they were like, dude, it's just that he's doing all of this and he's a baby. Like, that's the crazy part about Wander Franco is not necessarily, it was like the Julio Rodriguez effect, mm-hmm. like putting up big numbers, but they weren't unheard of numbers. They were just really good numbers, but they were doing them as these 19 year olds in high levels. Yeah. Um, so I, I, once again, this just goes to another, like, I don't think that many people can be wrong. I think Wander Franco is going to be the centerpiece of that team for a long time. For sure. Uh, he's absolutely worth that massive extension. And I, I think anybody that nobody jumped ship on Wander Franco, because I think everybody understood like how special that guy was. But I think people that started to think about moving their big toe over the edge of the ship uh, should pull it right back in because right. that guy's a rocket ship. Um couple of pitchers before we wrap here. I'm looking at ERA. There are three guys among qualified starters with an ERA under two as it stands right now. Sonny Gray, Alex Cobb, Bryce Elder. Um, let's start with Sonny. Sonny had a good conversation with Walker Bueller on the Just Baseball show about Sonny because, you know, fellow Vandy guy, and Sonny was there right before Bueller. That guy has, like, found a new life, I think, in his pitching career. Yeah, I mean, Sonny, I'll tell you what the best thing ever to happen to Sonny Gray was going to Cincinnati. And yeah. I get that because he got to be with Derek Johnson again. And Derek Johnson was with – I had Derek, I had the pleasure of, of getting to be with Derek Johnson um, when he was the pitching coordinator with the Cubs. And that was his first job out of Vanderbilt. And we actually clicked pretty well because he went to Eastern Illinois and I went to Moorhead. And so we were – at the time, we were both in the OVC. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we got to talking and um, I got to pick his brain. And, man, I'll tell you. That man is so intelligent. Um, I was, you know, I think one reason that I really give him so much credit, like when I talk about him now, is because I did doubt at first. Like I questioned, you're bringing a college guy in to be the pitching coordinator. That means he's going to be making these pitching moves. Like how could you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but then they left people around him to help him with that. And his goal was tasked with making our pitchers better. And he was so good at that. But he knew Sonny better than probably any other guy other than Sonny's dad knows Sonny. So I think the best thing possible for him was getting him there, getting him right, and and then letting him go to Minnesota and take off. What do you think went into that whole Yankee situation? Like the Yankees, I don't know. I What we got into the conversation of was, you know, they they altered maybe his pitch mix or they, they tried forcing him into being – a template of pitcher that Sonny Gray isn't like, what do you think the best version of Sonny Gray is? Do you think it's a guy that just spins hitters to death or do you think it's somebody that plays a chess game? Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a chess game with a lot of spin. 
Um, but I think that Sonny's getting to the point in his career that he's starting to really f- understand his um, – he's always had really good stuff, right? He's, there's a reason he's got this much time in the major leagues. I think he's really starting to find his command and really bring his control in and and use be able to figure out his usage better by doing that. But without question, I think he's the most sustainable, man. I, I look for Sonny Gray to, to be a really – Sonny Gray's old school to me. Like yeah. Sonny Gray's like Oswald to me. Like, I love watching Sonny, man. Dude, you know what you're getting. And like, you know what you're getting every time he goes out there. Yeah. Major League. A hundred percent. You saw Bryce Elder and Gwinnett. Hell, I saw Bryce Elder throw against you and Gwinnett. I, I'm not sure if you were in the lineup that day when you guys saw Elder, but I, hey, doesn't matter, man. You were, you were peeking for the dugout. Um, yeah. I did not have Bryce Elder with a sub two through eight starts on my bingo card. Did you? No, no, I definitely not um i gotta be co- totally honest with you i watched some baseball now and i did not know he had a sub two so um yeah i'm gonna go hey this Brains is a, magic this is a really cool moment for you bryce but i don't know <laughs> to give you sustainability how about erod erod just got roughed up by pittsburgh but erod's at a 206 he entered that start with a 157 and Erod has been an interesting cat, man, since his time in Boston and last year dealing with that off the field stuff. And he was just unavailable and he was not communicating with his team. And now he's back and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like, what do you make of him? I, uh, I don't think the ERA is sustainable, but what I do think is that there's a chance that you get a six to seven inning starter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what you paid him for. You paid him to eat innings for you, and I think that's what you're going to get. I don't think – I just think that at this point he's showing you that um, he's still capable of being your number one, who realistically that's what you paid him to be at this point. He is supposed to be your number one. So um, I hope for Detroit I, – I want Detroit to do well. I really like Scott Harris, big Javi fan. Um, so, like, I, I want Detroit to do well. So I'm looking for Eduardo to, to be able to really be that guy and try to save some innings out of that bullpen. So three more guys that I want to hit and two guys that I know, you know, I'm going to save those two. Joe Ryan sporting a two one six right now. That fastball takes off. Joe Ryan has quickly become one of my favorite watches in baseball. I, I see this 90, 91 mile an hour heater. I'm like, nobody's touching so much fun. Dude. I've caught one guy like that. His name was Jack leather sitch. He was a left-handed pitcher. From Massachusetts, he he pitched in the big leagues with the Mets and the big leagues with the Cubs. I don't know what this guy did. I I'll never know. But I'm telling you, I never. You know, there's two. I'll give you another one. But I, this guy pitched at 92, and he threw fastballs down the middle every single pitch. He got everybody swung and missed. Huh. I I don't know. I had another guy, Armando Rivera. I, go look up Armando Rivero's. I want there's a there's a crazy minor league year in there that I want you to look at. Um, he was major league rule five away from Chicago to the Braves, and he got hurt. Ended up missing the whole year. But go see if you can find the crazy year. Let's just say he struck out a few guys. Armando Rivero. Here we go. Uh, Rivero in Iowa in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Armando Rivero in 2016, 67 and two thirds innings. He was a reliever. 
105 punch outs, 14 Ks per nine and triple. He never got up. The guy, the guy threw one pitch and it was a fastball away. <laughs> it was a four seamer. It was a four seam fastball down and away. He would occasionally mix in a slider. Never. When I say never, I mean legitimately zero times in a season would he throw a fastball inside to a hitter. Dude, that's so cool. It's... It was unbelievable. He was built like a scarecrow and just blue balls by you at 93. What on earth? I see 6'4", 190. He was just sure. four seamers sure. low and away. Four seamers low and away. That's it. That's all, that's all he wanted to do. There was no going in. Occasionally, like I said, occasionally he'd throw a slider, and the slider wasn't very good, but it didn't matter. So funny. All right, two more guys. Yeah. Mitch Keller. Uh, Mm. Mitch is balling out right now. So cool. And Mitch has been the promised one for Pirates fans. He's – I like, I'm not going to emphatically say he's here, but, like, over his last 32 starts, guy's got a sub two – he, he's a different Mitch Keller than I think the one that they were promised when he was a teenager. Cause Mitch now is an artist, right? I mean, it's yeah. Like he he's better. We were, they were promised what 98 elevated. You were, it's, you were looking, you were hoping for Justin Verlander. Yeah. And you got a different guy, but a guy that you can appreciate. That knows how to pitch. That's also a donkey. Um, You know, I, you know, I think that I've been a broken record talking about Mitch Keller whenever we talk about arms, but I think at this point people are seeing why. You know, I think earlier this year we talked about in one of our podcasts the the, the Pirates rotation, and I said one guy you need to extend, um, it's that guy, and he's showing you why. Um, and, you know, it helps that he's a great dude. You know, I, I think that's a, a such a cool aspect of this, you know, that will I'll be another broken record and I've told you this and I'll tell you this a hundred times over, but being a good person doesn't help you win any more baseball games, but it just helps. I really want to root for you more when you're a good dude and he's a great person. So that helps. Yeah. Last one for you, a guy that I think, you know, Justin Steele has been freaking unbelievable. Yes, dude, man. So here's a funny story about Justin Steele. Justin Steele and Carson Sands were two left-handed starters that signed out of high school in the same draft class with the Cubs. We took them both not in the first round, and we gave them both over-slot money. Carson Sands was six foot four, 225 pounds, committed to Florida State. That guy. Justin Steele is six foot a buck 85 from a country town. When you saw those two and I told you that they both got millions of dollars, you were like, what in the world? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Justin Steele was a significantly better worker. He was a better dude. The team, because he struggled in the minor leagues. That's something like you go look at his minor league numbers. He had some real struggles. Um, and he was kept on because he was a good guy. They kept him around, and they kept really working with him. Um, and, man, he has turned into an absolute star. He is 
he should start the if it if it was today, he's starting the National League All Star game, and Mitch Keller's coming out of the pen. Huh. Um. So I mean, you got Cobb, you got Elder, but aside from that, I would give the nod to Gallon. I think. Mm. <clears throat> you don't think so? Because of what he did at the end of last year, up until this point, I know it's one year, but yeah. But yeah, no, I, it's just really cool to see. It is, he's a, you know, it's it's so cool to see somebody and they're still not really giving him the credit he deserves. No, so. you don't think about steel, man. Like when you look at that rotation right now, your your eyes immediately gravitate towards Strowman um, and Strowman's been good. And, and they gravitate at the beginning of the year towards big money, Jameson Tyone, but steel was just the forgotten man, even after that great end of the season. And now I'm, I think he's proving that, He's probably the one in Chicago. Yeah, I think so. I think he is. I think it – and I, I just – it's so great for the team too because, once again, we talk about Mitch Keller. Like, Justin Steele's a homegrown guy. You know, there's something about wanting to be a Cub for your whole life and getting the ability to. So, um, you know, I really hope for those two guys. You know, I, we all saw that that Mitch was talking about an extension. Um, so, you know, I hope for all those guys that they get paid. But, I, you know, man – I really think Pittsburgh's got a chance to have their guy. Um, you know, I, I think at worst case, at worst case, Mitch Keller is durable with a good fastball. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, man. Love talking ball. This was a good week. And uh, what are we doing Tuesday? We just talked about it. College. Oh, We're going to talk the draft. We're going to talk draft. Yeah, and – I'm excited when the College World Series rolls around because I know you got a guest you want to bring on when the College World Series rolls. Yeah, yeah, that is that's how far away are we from that? We're about a month. We might start mixing in. I got a couple. I got a couple. Man, I've played with. I really, honestly, have played with. Um, well, we talked about Tom Eshelman, who is for yeah. sure one of the greatest college arms of all time. Yep. Dave Berg, who, outside of Houston Street, is probably the greatest college closer of all time. He is. I honestly, if you if you look up most things, will tell you David Berg is the greatest reliever of all time in college baseball. Interesting. Like, so Kevin uh, Cobb's Kevin Cobb's probably put together the best season. Um, he okay. won the Golden Spikes a couple of years ago, multi inning reliever. Nuts. Okay, go Let's look compare. at go look at David Berg. David. E R B E R G. David he went Berg. to UCLA and he was a submariner. Here we go. David Berg at UCLA. Holy shit. Yeah. No, I think this is better. It's it, it's it's one of the I mean, you can read it's it's in his career at UCLA, this guy through 266 innings had a 1.11 ERA. Struck out 8 guys per 9, walked one and a half guys per 9. Let me hit you with Kevin Copps last year. Copps at Arkansas when he won the Golden Spikes. 89 and two-thirds innings, a .9 ERA, punched out 13 per nine. 131 Ks, 18 walks, and 89 and two-thirds innings. He was in Fort Wayne when I was in Fort Wayne. Real quick story before we go. Um, His, I guess, first stop out of the complex was in Fort Wayne, and he went eight innings, two hits, no runs. Like, it was insane. And he throws one pitch, and it's a mid-to-high 80s cutter, and nobody touches it. Like, I mean, no one touches it. He's uh let's see, he's in San Antonio right now. So Padres double A. He's got a two three ERA in 10 appearances. 
but cops, I asked him, I was like, because the year before that, 2020, seven appearances, he had 18 hits against him in 11 innings. He had a four ERA his first two years at Arkansas. He was a four-year guy. And I was like, what were your realistic expectations going into 2021? And he was like, I don't know. Like, I, I wanted to... I wanted to be the closer at Arkansas. Like, dude won the fucking Golden Spikes. Insane. So sick. We're going to be talking Golden Spikes next week for sure. We're talking Golden Spikes. So I'm in on that, man. All right. Um, if you guys are interested, we've got something cooking. It's so rare. If you've been watching MLB TV, it's the ads with Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto talking about like fantasy baseball needs card collecting. We've got a league now. So you got to enter and like, you've got it. Here's the deal. 120. Uh, like diamond budget, like you, you're given 120 diamonds and guys like the most expensive guys at each position cost like 20 diamonds. And then it goes all the way down and you fill out your lineup and you compete for prizes. So you can join our so rare league uh, on so rare, just baseball. We'll talk to you guys next week.